Well, good morning. Uh, again, my name is Ryan, and uh, I'm from Kingston. I work, uh, I'm finishing up working part-time for a church there, and I also work part-time for a campus ministry that's now, now called Momentum Campus Ministries. You might know it as Geneva House. I focus on Queen's University campus. So it was great to hop in the car and drive here. I do like rain, I will admit. Unfortunately, there's only a few drizzles this morning. Um, I was hoping for a thunderstorm, but I hear that you might be done with windstorms here. We didn't quite get it in Kingston, so. But I do love a good thunderstorm, I have to admit. This morning, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 21. If you want to follow along, Romans 12, 9 through 21. And we'll start by reading it, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump right into it. God's word says in Romans 12, verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see your love in this passage this morning. Give us hearts that are like open hands, ready to receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how this passage shows up in terms of structure in your Bible. Each English Bible is a little bit different with headings and paragraph breaks and all of those things. But realistically, you could take this whole section of scripture we just read, Romans 12, 9 to 21, you could lump it all together as one paragraph, and you could borrow the first four words in verse 9 
as the header, as the title, as the theme of this section. Let your love be genuine, or love must be sincere. The word that's translated sincere in the NIV shows up differently in different English translations. The CEB, for example, says, love without pretending. ESV says, let love be genuine. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them, the NLT says. And my personal favorite, the message, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. The word that qualifies love, sincere, is a word that is without parallel in any other form of literature. That means that it's unique to the Bible. And I think this kind of love is supposed to be without parallel. It's supposed to mark God's church. It is a Christian love specifically. But there's one really obvious problem with this. Whether you've been coming to church all your life, or you've been coming to church since you walked in the doors this morning, or turned on the browser online and started the stream, I think we all know that sometimes this sincere love, this Christian love, doesn't always mark God's church. This Christian love often is not to be found in Christians. And I think as we look at Romans 12, God's word is actually going to interpret us and read us and reveal to us our kind of love. The temptation when we talk about being unloving is to think about the person across the room from us or down the street from us. We think they're the unloving culprit. But as we look at Romans 12, I think we're going to see it's us, it's you, it's me that doesn't have this love at times. So let's let God's word read us. Again, verse 9, love must be sincere. This isn't a flattering kind of love. It's not flowery. It's not surfacy. And most of all, as we saw from all those translations, it's not hypocritical. Hypocritical. We throw that term around a lot, right? We're not hypocrites, right? I'm not a hypocrite. You're not a hypocrite, right? I mean, I'm not a pastor that gets up on Sunday morning and preaches about generosity and simplicity, and I go home to my six-car garage, you know? You're not one of those mean Christians that looks down at other people for what they wear or 
what movies they watch, right? Our love's sincere, is it? But I think there's a little hypocrite in each of us. Sometimes we might be nice to someone when we see them in person and curse them out under our breath. We might post about something online that we've done little about in our lives. We might critique the way another church is doing it, or an outreach is doing it, or the homeless shelter is approaching this issue when we haven't begun to even approach it ourselves. There's a little hypocrite in each of us. Verse 9 goes on to say, Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Yet more often, we love what is evil and we hate what is good. And sometimes, we think we hate what is evil. You might hate that you can't stop looking at those websites, but you also love it. We might hate racism, prejudice, but we love the systems that benefit us. We might hate death and dehumanization, but we don't mind it if it conveniences us, makes our clothes a little cheaper. There's a little hypocrite in every one of us. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I love that verse. It sounds so nice. Who doesn't want to be a part of a church community that honors and serves and respects one another? But then we realize it's talking to me. I have to honor and love and serve those people. I have to respect them. And we realize, oof, yeah, there's a hypocrite in me. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. How often does the church talk about how we want revival? We want to be on fire for the Lord. We want people to be holier and more prayerful. We want to get back to preaching the word and have people living for God. But where is it supposed to start? It's always supposed to start with me with the plank in my eye, with pursuing God's holiness and pushing into my relationship with God in prayer first before I'm expecting that of others. Verse 13 says, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And this is two sides to the same coin. On one side of this verse, you have caring for other Christians, of meeting the needs of your brothers and your sisters in Christ. 
But then on the other side, it says practice hospitality. And in the Bible, hospitality is always about loving strangers and people that are different than you, welcoming them in. It looks like a lot of different things. Giving a cold drink to a person on the street, sitting with someone in your backyard and having coffee or tea, specifically someone that believes differently than you, lives differently than you, and caring for them, listening to them, loving them. And we realize, ooh, I'm not always good at this kind of love. The church isn't always good at this kind of love. In fact, sometimes the opposite. Churches split and divide. The church has ugly sins in its past. But, to use a cliche, when we point a finger at the church, often for good reason, there's fingers pointing back at us. And specifically, if we point a finger at the church and we're a Christian, we're pointing the finger at ourselves because we're the church. I won't keep going in this path, but we could. We could keep going through Romans 12, 9 to 21, and realize more and more we're all hypocrites. And this feel-good passage about love becomes a litany of our sins. But that's the bad news. I'm sorry to take this passage and turn it into bad news. But when it reads us, I think it kind of can be. Because we realize the hypocrite's club isn't exclusive to a few mean Christians. The hypocrite's club is open to all of us. And I'm there with you. So if we're honest, none of us love sincerely. None of us love with that specific Christian love 100% of the time. But the beautiful thing is that God does. The beautiful thing is that while Romans 12 is a description of our own failure to love, it is at the same time a description of God's love. God is sincere love. This isn't romantic love. It's not butterflies in your stomach kind of love. It's not that love is God. It's not that God loves sometimes, but that God, from the very center of His being, without faking it, God is unpretending, true, unhypocritical love. And while we all fall short of love's standards, because God is also untainted, unblemished love. God is also a terrifying love. 
And I'm, I'm not making this up. This was in my notes. God's love is more like a thunderstorm than a shower. Maybe a little too soon. We fall short of the standard of love. But God sent His Son. God's love came down and lived. God's love breathed and was crucified and died. Jesus loves us so much that he bore judgment for our sake and died our death for us. God's love isn't Hallmark movie love. Not to make fun of anyone that loves Hallmark movies. But it's not Hallmark movie love. God's love is more like soldier-carrying, wounded comrade off the battlefield love. God's love is more like surgeon-removing-the-tumor kind of love. God's love is messy, filthy, godly, sincere love. True love. And what happens when we look at Romans 12, 9-21 through a Jesus lens is incredible. 9, verse 9, love must be sincere. Well, only Jesus loved sincerely all the time. Jesus is the only non-hypocrite to walk this earth. He always practiced what he preached. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Jesus loves us too much to love what is evil. As I said, it can be an intense kind of love. A love that calls us out of our sin. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Jesus was filled up with love for his heavenly Father. He always lived for the Father's will. He was obsessed with his heavenly Father and it poured out of him. Verse 13, Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. That sums up all of Jesus' ministry. I mean, Jesus hospitably fed the multitudes. He healed the sick. He cared for lepers, for the untouchable of society. He welcomed strangers and tax collectors, people who were despised. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. As Jesus was nailed to the cross, He looked down on us who cursed him and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus died for those who accused him. He looked with compassion on those who mocked him. Verse 19 is where we see that thunderstorm kind of love. Do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord says, it's my job to avenge, to judge evil. 
But then what does Jesus do? He comes and dies for us who deserve that judgment. Jesus, God himself, didn't even take this privilege into his own hands during his earthly ministry. The way that he paid for our sin was by dying for us. And so his love overcomes our unlovingness. When we look in the mirror, it's there that we see hypocrites. Not across the room or down the street. We see people who love the idea of love and sometimes love well, but other times fail. But when we look in the Bible, we see the true face of love shining back at us. We have a portrait of Jesus who loves us sincerely, pouring out from every page of the Gospels. God himself exemplified Romans 12, sincere love. And it's as we receive God's sincere love that we can go and sincerely love the world. It's commonly known that children need love to thrive. Cuddles literally keep babies alive. Without sufficient love, growth genes begin to shut down. Oxytocin, which reacts to love stimuli in the physical environment, helps the body grow strong. And it's not just physiological, but psychological. Because children that grow up in a healthy, loving environment are more likely to love others well. But you know what? I think we're all babies. We're all still babies. Whoever wants to enter God's kingdom must become like a child. We all still need love to thrive. And we can go around this world looking to our fellow hypocrites to give us love. But the only place we'll find it, where it will never disappoint, where it will be sincere, a hundred percent of the time is with our Heavenly Father who loves us sincerely so that we grow and flourish. First, we receive Jesus' love to give Jesus' love. And as we receive Jesus' agape love more and more, as we welcome the affection of our Heavenly Father, our souls grow healthier and stronger, and so does our capacity to love others well. We are loved sincerely by God so that we can sincerely love others. First, Jesus loved us so that we 
might love others. And so our mission this week comes straight from the text. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What I love about Romans 12 is it doesn't just sentimentalize an abstract love. This godly love is wildly practical. And I mean, it's full of practical steps in Romans 12. But in verse 13, again, we have two sides of the same coin. Two action steps that we could take this week as we step out with the love of our Heavenly Father. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Love our brothers and sisters in the church. Look, ask the Spirit to lead you to an opportunity to serve somebody. Mow their lawn, bring a meal, just sit with someone that's lonely. Turn to our brothers and sisters and love them. That's what Jesus did for us when he came and fed and cared and healed. And then that flip side, practice hospitality. Again, welcome a stranger. That can look like all sorts of different things, but maybe for you this week, it's spending time having coffee with someone that you disagree with, someone that believes differently than you, someone that's from a very different background than you are. Maybe it's getting involved in something that helps welcome refugees into our country. Maybe it's feeding somebody or sharing a meal with someone that has different politics than you. Practice hospitality. That's what Jesus did when he welcomed us who were living in darkness into the kingdom of light. God loves us sincerely 100% of the time. It's from this center that we love others. And so we are all hypocritical, wannabe lovers, loved by an eternal God, filled with the Holy Spirit of love, learning to show the world the love of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you love us just like we pour out affection on a baby. We are your sons and daughters. But God, we confess we are all hypocrites who have failed to love you and have not loved others sincerely. God, we don't deserve this love, and yet you are love. You pour it out on us so generously. Even us, 
each one of us who have encountered you, Jesus, may we see more and more that you are the face of love. And may we be transformed by your love so that we go and love others as you do. And for those of us that maybe haven't yet taken that moment to sit and receive your love, Jesus, we do that this morning. We stop looking for love in all the broken places. And we receive your sincere, trustworthy love. But God, help us to love others in return. It's not easy. And we need your Holy Spirit to do it. So we rely on your Spirit afresh this week. In the loving name of Jesus, amen.